Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the No CMO Podcast, brought to you by You Don't Need a CMO. I'm your host and producer, Ryan Sullivan, and today I'm coming at you with episode five with Mark Milling. Mark is a marketing genius and expert, owner of Take Control Marketing. He shared the stage with Dan Kennedy, wrote four books, amongst a list of other achievements. Um, but you really just have to delve into the episode. A lot of interesting topics going on. And just as a side note, we have an event coming up on July 30th called Social Growth 101. Um, a little bit more information in the show notes and at the end of the episode. So enjoy episode five. All right, here we are. No CMO podcast episode five with Mark Melling here. He is a, he's written four books. He's been on stage with Dan Kennedy. He has a long list. I could probably go on forever of all the different things that he's done, uh, but huge currently in the marketing field. Uh, Take Control Marketing is your uh, is your uh, company, correct? Yeah, that's it. Take Control Marketing. All right. Um, so, if Mark, if you want to just give him like a little background, and then we're probably just going to go from there. Well, you know, the real thing is, I am absolutely convinced everybody has been in marketing, and I also believe marketing can solve almost every problem. And why would I say that? It's very simple. And that is marketing is just persuasion and influence. We've all been marketers at one time or another. And so this is what's led me to where I am today. I stayed a marketer. And you may say to yourself, no, 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 I'm, I'm an engineer. I'm a whatever it is. But think back to when you were 12 years old, maybe 13. My my brain can't psychologically work over the internet. <laughs> but there was something you really, really wanted. And in order to get that, you thought about when should I ask my parents and what are the things I should promise to get it? And there's all these things that you used, including saying, oh, look, I'll do the dishes until I'm 43, you know, and these were <laughs> yeah. all marketing tools. You just right. didn't offer. You did the timing. You did the placement. You picked the media. And many of us recognize the value of that and have practiced that our entire lives. So all that nice stuff you read on the website is cool and, and that's neat. But mm -hmm. the answer is it's all persuasion and influence. And the application of it as well is just, that's the application. People don't even realize that they're doing it when they are. And, and you're right. That's a great point to make is, is that you have to market yourself. You're, you're marketing every single day when you're coming in contact with people, if you're selling anything or buying anything as well. Um, and, and you have to represent yourself. So if we are going to start on um, the marketing field, I'm, I'm going to start with a big question. But what is, what's your, in, out of your experience, what's your number one, what's the number one mistake that you've seen uh, marketers make, whether they're experienced marketers or whether they're just, you know, people trying to sell a book or whatever it may be? Without exception, that's an easy one because without exception, it's, poor research or no research. Mm -hmm. uh, I answer questions routinely on Quora.com, on, on other social media sites, and I just do marketing stuff. And the, the points there always revolve around somebody making a decision without research. Uh, and it happens in big companies and it happens in little companies. Uh, little small businesses and even on a personal side, if you don't do the research to recognize who is your ideal prospect and what do they really look like? 
and how do they think and what do they need and what do they care about and what's important and what's bothering them today and what's going to bother them next week and how does your product or service fit into it. And that's one step of the research. And mm -hmm. if you do that, you're now doing a very, very technical uh, thing that's known as guessing. <laughs> yeah, there's a, probably a lot of that too. And uh, I think that also ties into um, what you've uh, talked about before is, is hope marketing. Why do people <laughs> engage? I love this. I love this term too, because that's what it is. So why, 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 how do people get that in their head? Like the results is just, is, is only people seeing what they're doing, but not actually converting to a sale or to a lead or anything. Um, what, like what is, can you explain hope marketing and then why it happens and then maybe how to fix it? It's a lot of questions, but hope, hope yeah, I, all, you're right. There's a ton of them there. <laughs> let's, let's talk about hope marketing. Cause it's one sure. of my, um, basically this is somebody who says, well, I threw up Facebook ads and I hope they're going to work. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, all marketing, marketing is not a hundred percent marketing is, well, if you do it my way, Every single campaign has huge results. Hey, there are mistakes. In fact, if you look in the background over here, you see that white bag? That white bag is things that didn't work. Okay? <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, there's always those kinds of things. But the problem is you don't want to go in just hoping. And this, mm -hmm. some of us falls back into research. But I've had people all the time that, that say, well, I put a newspaper ad in. Okay, so what? That's a media. That's, you know, and they, they'll, well, I... I pick this media and hope it's going to work. And there's so much better ways to do it. And that's what hope marketing is based on because that's how most people react when they look at their campaigns, either, either on a small scale or even on a large scale. There's so, a very famous, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. Keep going. Continue. Oh, there's a very famous uh, um, group and I'll spare them their names, but uh, it's a huge, massive organization and they withdrew $100 million from their online marketing. Wow. And do you know what the results were in sales? No. None. <laughs> no change. <laughs> Didn't make a hoot a bit of difference. Wow. So they were essentially practicing hope marketing. Hope marketing. They hoped it worked, and obviously it didn't. Yeah, you can't just do it. It's like anything. You can't just do it. If you do it just to do it, that's the result you're going to get. And you've said um, something similar to this is, you know, you can't manage what you can't measure, right? So, you know, and, and even, even if you do have the measurement, even if you do have, oh, 5,000 people saw my post, well, then what? Like, that's it, you know? Like, does it, if it just stops there... You don't, like you said, you have to have, you have a demographic, a target, or you're following where these people are going, the pages that they're liking, or, you know, just as Facebook as an example. Um, so if somebody is going from hope marketing, what's the next step? The next step is research. I would recommend research to get started. And then the next shift from that is there needs to be a very clear understanding of the difference between branding style ads and direct response marketing. <laughs> response ads. Excuse me. For a lot of people, it's an unclear thing. They, they associate it with either something very negative. They say, oh, well, I, I think direct response. I saw the sham wow guy. That's embarrassing. Well, oh, guess what? <coughs> he me. sold a sold yep. million. I was going to say, so yeah, sham. I had, I know we had a sham wow, you know. Wow, exactly. And so, but the, the understanding that difference is significant because if you mix the two, you get bad results. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and, and if you just want branding style ads and you've got the money to back that up, that's great. You know, every time, and I'll give you an example, um, you know, when the Goodrich blimp flies over and you yep. see it, people just don't run out and, and buy tires. That's not what they're trying for. They're actually trying for somebody to have top of mind. And I'm actually just, just nailed you, Ryan, with something that was very <laughs> impolite to do. But the fact that you're agreeing with me that the Goodrich blimp is part of that is an example of how branding style ads don't really work that well because it's the Goodyear blimp. Oh, my God. It's not even the right company. <laughs> and I sold tires for three years. So I should. Oh. I was a mechanic for three years. So okay. no, but well, I don't know. No, you're right. I mean, people a, are oblivious. It's a, it's a perfect example that, you know, a branding style. Ads, if you've got the money to support it, if you've got the what is it? Three and a half billion dollars that Coke has. Go for it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're anything smaller than that, uh, especially if you're smaller than, than than half a billion dollars, you do much better with direct response, which actually goes out and it's measurable, which is important. You want to see the results of what you get. And I'm not and I'm talking about in dollars. You don't want. Oh, look, we had 300,000 likes. Um, 300,000 likes translate to like zero. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no money there. Last time I checked, I cannot use likes to pay to the buy bill. things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Percent. I mean, it's yeah. it's a metric. So people say, oh, it's a metric. Look, this is the this is the numbers. Well, then what do the numbers mean? What can they do for you? Right. I mean, that's probably that's more important than anything. Yeah, and and it's the it's you want to use valid measurements. Uh, for me, somebody that says, "Golly, I I got you know." 50,000 likes. That's great. Toys R Us went broke and they had 4.5 million likes. Yep. Okay. So we see there's nothing. Oh, look, I had 320,000 page views. Great. How many people converted from a page view to a client, to a customer, made a sale, signed up for your email, something that can eventually generate cash because that's what we have to have as a business. So how important is building a brand identity and, and using that brand marketing versus the direct? Like, is it for each company? Is there, you know, a, a sweet spot of some direct, some more branding? Like, how, how important is that? Well, the branding style ads, I don't recommend for anybody with a company doing less than half a billion dollars. Okay. But mm -hmm. now... You, you started to touch on another topic, and that's a brand and branding. And I am now going to say blasphemy, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it out loud and go with it where you want to go. But guess what? You don't build a brand. That's impossible. Your customers are the ones who give you a brand. And it's the same as anything else. It is not something you can touch. It is loyalty. Mm -hmm. A brand is a loyalty that your customers have recognized and caused them to want to buy more, to tell others about it, and to feel special by being a part of it. It has nothing to do with logos and colors and mm -hmm. taglines and slogans. All that is branding. But brand is actually a loyalty award given by your customers. So quality products, quality work, quality services, whatever it might be, that is the building blocks of then 
the customers are satisfied, they tell other people, then yeah. it's, yeah, that builds the brand. Because you're right. I mean, how many Facebook marketers or whatever are going to get it in their mind? Like, you know, if we use this color, I think this is, you know, this theme is going to attract three more page visits or whatever. Um, I, I like your point. I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's, it's the customers who are telling the story, right? And so they are the ones whose loyalty, if you lose, and I'm going to go back to Toys R Us because it's a recent example. Toys R Us had a beautiful logo. They had all, mm -hmm. they had talking giraffes. They had all this kind of stuff, but their brand was withdrawn. Okay. So mm -hmm. if somebody want to say they still had a brand, you could say that, but that's nonsensical because the answer is no. The brand is the loyalty, and that was withdrawn by customers, and that's why they went broke. Yeah, and it's and it's an idea in people's heads, basically. I mean, that's what like a lot of companies are. It's just an it's like an idea. It's the customers carrying the idea forward, and then and then making it happen to spread to other people. So and so, how effective um, do you think? Like how, how, I guess this is going off that and you might've answered it, but word of mouth, like, is that, is that equally as important as anything? I, I don't know. We haven't talked before this podcast, but you are hitting every point that, that drives me up the wall. Word of mouth is not actually marketing. Don't like to, to break anybody's bubble, mm -hmm. but the answer is word of mouth is not marketing. Why is it not marketing? One, it's not under your control. Word of mouth, you don't know what people are saying. Mm -hmm. Okay, that one that's star true. review, that's word of mouth. Yeah. Okay, you also, in addition to not knowing, you don't control that conversation in any way. So you not only don't know what they're saying, but you don't know who they're saying it to. Are they saying it to unqualified people? Are they talking to your ideal prospects or are they just talking to people who come along? What are they actually telling them? Are they driving them to a website? Probably not. Now, if somebody had a wonderful, great experience and mm -hmm. they refer somebody, that's okay. Yeah, it's good. Referral. But I would rather have a planned referral system. Program, yeah. Okay, a referral system that actually is under your control, that you keep track of, that you drive. I actually have a paper, if, if we think about it later, I'll send it to you on why word of mouth is the last. Sure, I'll, I'll put it right, like I'll put it right here after, uh, like in the post-production so people, and I'll put it in the show notes so people can read okay. it. Okay, it, it's, a, it's a great little thing. It comes from a, a website that I do that's just pure marketing. There's no cost. There's, you don't even need to sign up if you don't want to. And, uh, and, and it's called Tablet marketingacademy.com all right so, good well, yeah i'll literally i'll put it right here yeah so, and people be able to click on it out and uh, and give it to you but it's funny awesome. you pick that one too <laughs> yeah um i'm you know i mean these are just common themes mostly but you're yeah. right and and you have i like obviously you you've been in it so you know i mean these people who a lot of them and maybe a lot of uh, i would assume a lot of people watching this podcast are you know they have a, a new company and they're trying to market it maybe they're trying to market it themselves um, and that brings me to another point. Um, when, if you're going to start or if you're going to hire somebody to do your marketing, sh do, should you have at least a basic understanding of what they're going to do or a basic understanding of marketing Oh, I, I, or I, advertising? I that. It, it's yeah. just like anything. It's, it's kind of like if you take your car down to get fixed, if you don't have a basic understanding of what's going on, you've got to have a tremendous amount of trust. It's yeah. a lot of reason many people will take a car to a dealer 
is they trust them more, right or wrong. Uh, and it's the same thing. Uh, part of, I can tell you right now, when somebody comes to me, the first thing that we do before we do anything is we do a research project. So that then we understand everything that's going on. So then we can always relate back to the research mm. when somebody says, well, I don't understand why we're not doing Facebook ads. Very simple. Let's go through and look at the research. This is where we did it. And this is why that media is not compatible with your ideal prospects and how you want to communicate with them. So you're saying not everybody can use Facebook ads? Oh my God. <laughs> I thought that was, you're just supposed to boost your post. And if you have a company, then that's what, that's, oh, yeah. that's marketing, yeah. right? That's advertising, right? Oh yeah. You just make millions. Everybody's making yeah. millions. Yeah. All Facebook ads. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, 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 anybody reading this should spend more money in Facebook. Absolutely. Just, yeah. but there, you can actually make it a lot easier. And that is just make the checkout directly to Zuckerberg. You yeah. Don't you don't need to actually do any work. If you're just going to give him the money, why do all the work of the ad and have it fail? Exactly. Why well, put all that time in when you could just, you click boost, you throw $10 at it and bang, I got 3000 people to see it. That's marketing right there. You know? Well, That's and, and I'll give you a common question. I come across routinely. Great. Somebody will ask, what is the best way to get more customers on Twitter? I'll just pick that one out. Yep. And, and the real question is, well, you're kind of asking, What's the best way to fly using only toothpicks? It's, it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. And so the real question is, why did you limit yourself to Twitter? What, where, Twitter, okay, let, let's use another simple thing. And again, this might bust some bubbles. And I Good. apologize. But no, you don't have to. Every media is just a stinking delivery system. That's all it is. Yep. A media is a delivery system. Okay, so if you look at it from that point of view, then it kind of helps you understand what does it deliver? It delivers a compelling message, which if you haven't figured that out, then you're, it's nothing's going to work yeah. to your ideal prospect. And if you haven't figured that out, it's wasted. Here's a, and here's it's a facilitator. Yeah, that's what any media is. I think people confuse what's popular with what works. I think that's, well, you know. That's true. But remember, if you think of it as just a delivery system for an, a, a compelling message to an ideal prospect, now it will help you look and say, okay, maybe that's why this guy over here selling a pain cream is making millions from mm -hmm. a newspaper ad because the newspaper is the best delivery system for him. Mm -hmm. And it's also why for a lot of people, you'll find they pick a media and gee, they don't understand why they get no results. And so here's, here's a fast story. It's an analogy I've used before. You can tell me if it's any, of any value. Uh, a guy is running a pizza place. Okay. So he's got pizza. The pizza he delivers is horrid. It's like, you'd really have to be desperate to eat it. It's gross. Okay. Mm -hmm. So does it matter whether he delivers it? via car or via limousine or maybe even personal jet still gets there yeah, but it's garbage so people throw it away it's of no value all right let's do another one guy fixes a pizza and he doesn't deliver it to you he delivers it two blocks away did doesn't that help 
No, it doesn't. Why is that? Because he, he got the targeting wrong. Mm. So the pizza that tastes lousy is the messaging. If that's wrong, it's a fail. If the targeting is wrong, if the pizza is delivered to the wrong place, it's a fail. And in both cases, it doesn't matter how he delivered it. That's so the delivery system, as long as it's effective, as long and as it, and it works, system, right? And yeah. it gets a compelling message, pizza that tastes good, <clears throat> to the ideal prospect, the person who ordered it, then then it can make a significant difference. And I'll use a simple example of how a media can make a difference. When I'm trying to impress a client, I use FedEx. When a FedEx envelope arrives, people open it. But mm -hmm. that is a delivery system that is getting my compelling message in front of my ideal prospect, and the media there is making a difference. There you go. Um, I want to, if I could, um, if I could talk about your first company a little bit, because I think that just has some good lessons in it. Um, talking home watch valet. Home watch valet. Yep. If if you could. Um, if you could just talk a little bit about how that started and then how you ended up um, raising the prices of your services and then how you got those uh, or those uh, more high-level clients. Okay. Uh, very, very simply, it's uh, uh, Home Watch Valley. I live in Florida. We have snowbirds. Snowbirds are people who flee when the weather gets hot, and mm -hmm. then they come back to roost uh, in the wintertime. Yep. And so they were leaving empty houses behind. And I had one in my neighborhood that was empty and I saw there was water coming out of the garage and nobody knew how to get a hold of them. Nobody knew. And I thought I saw a need for a business. So I started a business and for the first uh, year I was going after anybody who had an empty house. Um, things were going tough. I didn't have great customers. Uh, I was working too hard. And so uh, during that time, I also became uh, involved in understanding Dan Kennedy, um, who is a, a prolific marketer, a oh, wonderful yeah. copywriter, and has more books, I, I think, than encyclopedias. Um, and each one is great. And I used one of them that was called Marketing to the Affluent, and I totally and completely turned the business on its head. I decided in the second year that I would only manage homes worth more than a million dollars. Uh, I was going to, in, in, as part of that, uh, change all kinds of things. I changed my uniform. We changed the logo. We changed everything associated with what they would perceive. And then I started advertising to a totally and completely different clientele. And the things that we offered and some of the things that we did as, as an example, and I'll just hold it up. I wrote a book, okay? There and it go. was a hardcover book. And I wrote it, unlike most people who are trying to write bestsellers, I didn't write it for that. I wrote it solely for the purpose of being able to walk into a, a, a millionaire's home and the guy's going to look at me and say, who are you to be managing my property? Because I say million dollar minimum, I routinely had two and a half to five million dollar homes. And, and, you know, they don't know me from Adam and I needed credibility. And so I made a hardcover book and wrote it. And specifically for the reason I would walk in and we'd usually meet in their kitchen and on their granite countertop, when the guy would say, who are you to be managing my home? I would reach in, pull out the book and go, well, I am the guy who wrote the book. So there you go. That's, and yeah. I can tell you, I never lost a customer that way. Never lost a prospect. 
and I never had anybody question me again. And so uh, it, I did it for credibility. Mm -hmm. So I never sold more than a thousand copies. I mean, they're available. You can still buy them. But the whole purpose is I wrote a book for a totally different reason. Uh, I actually built my business around that book because I became known as the home watch guy. And so uh, as part of that, I also tripled my prices. And I had a number of clients tell me, the only reason we called you is we figured anybody that could charge that much must be really good. So it's, it's the, I th and I think you've mentioned this before, the perceived value, right? Absolutely. This is all about perceived value. And what we did is we had all kinds of things that no one else ever offered. Uh, when they're gone and you think about it yourself, when you're away from home, you kind of worry in the back of your mind about your house. Well, this is Florida. I mean, you know, it's like a tornado or not a tornado, but a hurricane magnet. Uh, you know, so anytime there's massive weather comes through, people are concerned. We had a system that was automated where I made one phone call that then called all my clients and gave them the message that I recorded saying everything is fine. If it's not, you're going to find out within the next 48 hours as we go out and examine every home to make sure there's no problem. So did, um, did you, you kept this, how long did that business go on for? Do you still have, or like, what was the, we, we did that for six years and, and then, uh, I transitioned out of that, uh, excuse me, because the, the business wasn't growing as fast as I wanted it to. And so um, I decided it was time to move on. I went to a consultant uh, out in California and he basically said, Mark, um, you, you are, would be 10 times more successful doing marketing. So the swan song for that uh, particular business was mm -hmm. I went and entered it in uh, Dan Kennedy's Marketer of the Year and I was the 2012 Service Marketer of the Year. Wow. So, just from, just from that. And, and oh, by the way, just for grins and giggles, uh, wrote, uh, wrote two more books. One is how can I start my own home watch business? And the other is how can I make more money with my home watch? Business? <laughs> so we closed it. all that up. But you know, when you're talking about books, there's huge advantages to writing a book for the purpose of client acquisition. Another book I wrote was specifically aimed at in the foundry industry where I was doing B2B work. And so this was a, a book, and it's an interesting book, because if you start from the front, you get this story. And if you start from the back, you get a totally different story. What? Yes. All right. So, That's again, all. I love that. Uh, again, it's, uh, and, and there are two opposite sides of the coin. One is what's killing your business, and the other is why your business isn't growing. And the two are really different things. But that, that was another book who I can tell you, I'm sure I probably didn't sell a thousand of those, but yet it brought in tons of business. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's the perception and, and it's the, uh, the, the execution and the functionality of it is not, things aren't always, you know, it's a cliche, but things aren't always as they seem. You're not, you, you know, people, you don't have to, so many people will go and write a book because they want it to sell, you know, all these copies and that's, what's going to make them happy. But you wrote it for strict function and it worked. And well, right. And, and the, yeah, the real thing is I broke even on the cost from mm -hmm. selling books. Okay. But yep. you know, rich from that. And I never expected to, all I wanted was more, more clients, more customers. And this was the, 
the uh, perfect thing. And the other is we built a little system around the uh, the last book because I have what's called the it, the name of the book, in case you didn't notice, was the Seven Numbers to Success Roadmap. And these numbers are the kind of numbers that we marketers know, but nobody in the, the B2B foundry industry had a clue. Everything from client lifetime value to, uh, you know, different uh, factors like this that they didn't consider and yet are critical. So it helped to set up a little system and I routinely um, would teach uh, the management of these companies, these seven numbers and how to use them in their business. So, so generate mm -hmm. a lot of different ways. Was that, um, so that was basically your first time marketing, right? The first business? Well, uh, the, 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 or have, or did you have other experience? Uh, you, you'd have to realize since, since everything is marketing. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Really I gotcha. Back. Now, mm -hmm. you know, for a lot of people, if your, your marketing isn't selling, they think, well, you know, that's really not marketing, but I have to tell you, um, I flew helicopters in the Navy. I flew a, a private business jet. Um, for one of the largest uh, holders in the United States uh, and routinely dealt with people of wealth. And you needed persuasion and influence. And so I had scripts. What are scripts? It's a form of marketing. Okay. There's, and, and no matter where you go, if you can get your way, you're going to do it through persuasion and influence and you are marketing. So I've been marketing my whole life. So that's the first time I specifically went after a business and did marketing and was pretty pleased to come away with marketer of the year. Yeah, that's a great, a great accomplishment. And it makes sense um, from, from what you've done. So do you think that it's, should, should people always be trying to get to that next level, get to the, you know, customers with the $2 million, $2 to $5 million net worth, $10 million, whatever it is, or should some businesses just stay where they're at? If, if they're already fine, where they're at. Uh, the answer is if you are re retiring very soon and can sell your business, stay where you are. Yeah. Personally, if it were me, I'd boost the business now before you sell it. Mm -hmm. But the real answer is sure. If you're enjoying the decline of, of brick and mortar, if you're enjoying the fact that your prices are being forced down by the internet, if you're enjoying all that, stay where you are. Otherwise, it's really time to upgrade. It's time to ship. It's time to go after a better clientele. They are not only out there, but they are desperately looking for someone to help them with their needs that they can know, like, and trust. Yeah. And do you think that once you get to that level, right, and you're attracting these customers that are worth so much more, I, I feel like your the work almost falls into place that your work basically gets better in response to that. Well, going back to Homewatch Valet, if you think about it, I tripled my prices. The work is essentially the same. Yeah. Some of the extras I flew, threw in took a little bit more time and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But essentially, I'm getting three times the money, which means I could live if I wanted to with one third the clients. Yeah, and you're still do it's the still the same business. Uh, the revenue's the same, everything's the same, but you've upgraded into a much higher class of people who are much more grateful for what you do, and are not going to just say, "Well, okay." And and I did, I did have people that would say, you know, they call on the phone. First thing they would ask is, "What do you charge?" And I'd say, well, how big is your home? And geez, and then, and and because it's marketing, I would find a way to turn it around and say, well, have you ever come home and had a problem? 
tell me about that. And and if you, you, if you could get them talking, but it, there were always a few who would say, no, no, I just want to know what you charge. And I and so for them, I'd say, well, I charge a thousand dollars a month, and I didn't. Mm -hmm. But their point was, they'd go, <gasps> and then they'd go somewhere else. Okay, but the vast majority of people were more than happy to pay one hundred and fifty bucks a month. Uh, because they saw the quality of the service and loved it, and it helped them sleep at night. Makes but, sense. But people of wealth are looking, and they're looking every day for somebody they can trust. Do you have um, um, maybe just a, a quick tip of, or actually rather I should rephrase, how, what, what's the main difference between marketing to the affluent versus marketing to you know whoever you had before a middle class person? Like, is there one big thing that you would say is a differentiator between these people? What they're looking for or an indicator? Take a guess. What word I'm going to use, and it starts with R. Research. Uh, research. <laughs> That's the big difference. Okay, mm -hmm. the people of wealth think differently. So. What are the two major elements of, of all advertising before you pick a media? You've got to know who you're talking to and you've got to know how to talk to them. Mm, okay? Both. Both are essential. <laughs> they are absolutely critical. So now when I am now targeting the, the high net worth and ultra high net worth, okay, you don't use things like, well, when you sit down for your beer in the afternoon. <laughs> No, you would never say that. Bad example. That's right. The answer is as you uh, enjoy your 1946 Merlot, keep in mind that your house, which you left with the best of intentions, has a water leak. See, things they can understand quickly and sure. easily. All right. On the other hand, when I was dealing with the low end, their, their real thing was, well, why is it $49 a month? You know, what, what do you do for $49 a month? Okay. And in the meantime, you're talking now when you're talking to the ultra high net worth, it's very easy because I can single out their wives and say, <laughs> how handy is your husband? Is he good at fixing water? Is he, is he going to fix the plumbing leak? Yeah, uh, exactly. Oh no. Does that mean you're going to have to stay home and see somebody's butt crack for an hour? <laughs> Okay, you go. and, and you, can, you because they have a totally different sense and value of time and money and experience. So their key elements are the targeting and the languaging. And then, of course, now once you get those two, guess what? You're not going to find them through Twitter, through Facebook. These are the kind of people that you send a FedEx to. And a package comes in. Who opens a FedEx? Everybody, Everybody. doesn't matter. They love okay. that. They, it's a present. <laughs> and now we get into my skills as a copywriter. Okay. The copy is what's going to get them doing. And it might be a free report that says, this is why your neighbors just had a leak detector over after they got home. This is why your neighbor's refrigerator is at the end of the driveway because it broke two months after they were gone. It's, you know, it, it's, it's that fear absolutely. as well. That's yeah. The but the, the flip side of that too is if you would like to not have any of that, if you'd like to come home and play a round of golf because your golf cart is charged and it's, and the golf cart is uh, tires are filled and your car starts right away without worried about 
flat tires and dead batteries, then maybe this is a service you would enjoy. Mm. So it's, it's a lot of, like you said, the copy, but it's the, it's the phrasing. It's knowing who you're going after. It's knowing what they want, knowing what they value, phrasing it in the right way, and, and just providing something, getting in their minds of what do these people really need and not just assuming. Right. And, and the more you do it, the better you get, you, the, the better you get at it. And to me, that's all marketing 101. Yep. But I think if some of it's lost in, uh, like, I mean, well, it's the research. Some of it's lost in, they just don't, a lot of people just don't want to put that initial time in of, of who am I really going after? And, and I'll tell you, there's a great book. I'm going to hold it up here. It's called The One-to-One Future. And you probably have to buy it used. I'm sure it's been out of print. It's talking about the importance of marketing to one person at a time. Mm-hmm. Guess when this book was written? 20 years ago? 1991. Yeah. Okay. And here somebody had the foresight ago. to realize that's what's happening wow. today. The best marketers are those who are marketing one-to-one. Now, you may not necessarily recognize that it's one-to-one because you're reading and you're going, wow, this was just for me. But yet this is what's happening. This is why these pop-up ads are now what you've been searching for. It's one-to-one. And here we are, what, 20, 30 years later? 30 years later. starting to recognize that there, there is a method and a way to do that. So we've talked about this before on the podcast. Is there a place, you're, we're really talking about personalization. Is there a place where personalization goes too far or is personalization is it always good the one-to-one the more the personalized you can get the better uh there's there's a factor nowadays caused by the poor personalization that's called the i call it the creepy factor Mm -hmm. once it gets creepy you've gone too far um i for instance disregard 90 percent of the pop-up ads because I went to buy a car and I'm going to get these ads for the next six months after I bought the car. Exactly. Yep. Okay. If I, if I go online and do an online search for a product or a book for the next six months, I'm going to get nonsense about that. That's not, you know, until somebody can start tying these things together, it's, it's going to be a lot better. The personalization is really going to come in when somebody truly understands you. Have you ever listened to a, a podcast and somebody says that guy gets me he understands oh, yeah. that's, that's what we should be able to do in marketing and we can do it and you see a lot of this in direct response when you watch a direct response ad people are shaking their head up and down going oh yeah the lady with the uh <laughs> what is it the gold the, the um uh the frying pans the, the non-stick frying pans mm-hmm. okay she is showing you stuff that happens every day in people's lives and they get that. And when they target it to the right people, they're going, wow, that's for me. And that is as individualized as you could ask. Yeah, you're, you're the example that you use to, re- to describe the problem that you're solving is extremely important. Sure. And you can have the same product and solve several different problems. And for several different groups of people too. Absolutely. See, that's just it. But it's all, it, it's, let's, let's make up something. I'm making this up on the fly. So if it fails, you can edit it out. Sure. But hotels. Okay. Sadly, most hotels just 
do the same trash advertising all the time to the same people. But yet, think about it. You've got people planning in advance. Well, that's one type of potential client. You've got people who stayed there before. You have people who are members of their frequent stay club but have never stayed at their, their location. You've got people that late at night are looking for a hotel. Each one of those needs a different type of communication in order to make them realize. But it's the same stinking hotel. It's the same room. Exactly. There's really no difference, but there's a real difference in need. Another, I love analogies. So shut me, me up. Me too. Whenever. No, I love them too because they're good examples. You can actually apply it. Here's, here's another simple example. I recently bought a small uh, runabout boat. Uh, I just like old putt-putts and stuff. Uh, and somebody asked me, you know, what's the difference in place for different types of marketing? And, and what I told him is it's very simple because I was standing in front of the boat when, when we were talking. I said, if you have a, a life ring and you're in the boat store, that life ring might be, you know, 1995. If there is a boat sinking and you're in the water, what are you willing to pay for that life ring? Everything. And that what's the, it's the same life ring. So if you can help people to recognize the value of what you're doing and how it's going to save their life, even while it's in the store, then that's what's going to help you in your business. Yeah, the environment as well. Like you said, the place, place marketing, having you, yeah, you don't want to try to deliver something to, to, to people that don't even under, don't even need it at all. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I guess that's probably uh, a pretty big flaw of maybe a lot of marketers or, or companies is that just they don't take in consideration that place and how the need changes so drastically from, from place and time. Okay, here's my example for that. The worst business idea I could think of right now is the hamburger place right across from the PETA headquarters. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Are you familiar? Yeah. You familiar with PETA? Yeah, like chips, like the. No, PETA, people for the ethical treatment of animals. Oh, that PETA. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah, this is a bad, bad place, yeah, right? Yeah, you're not going to be selling too many hamburgers no. at a place right across the street. Yeah. Okay? And so don't. Yeah. But or hamburgers don't are think hamburgers are hamburgers, and there are people selling millions around the world. But hey, well, maybe place is wrong for you. <laughs> Yeah. So right. to um, switch gears a little bit, um, I had a, or I think uh, Chris had a couple questions. Um, if you could talk about alignable. Sure. Um, yeah. So, and uh, he said if he asked if you had any luck with alignable except for meeting him on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there are some people who say even bad luck is a form of luck. But uh, the, uh, no, I don't tell Chris that. You're going to edit that out. Sorry. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> You, you have to realize if you're talking from a marketing perspective, I am not unalignable to do marketing per se. Uh, after 40 years, I'm in a position where uh, I can retire. I do, I do a tremendous amount of nonprofit writing and consulting. And I do that gratis uh, in many cases. And the reason is because I've had a blessed life. Um, the good Lord has been wonderful with many things I've had and I can retire and I'm in many ways you might say I am retired. So I do things that I want to do. I only take clients I want to take. Uh, and, and so because of that, uh, I don't expect 
to do marketing on Alignable. I try and help people with their marketing uh, on that on that particular form. Alignable is the difference between, say, Alignable and LinkedIn is LinkedIn's like a chamber of commerce meeting. Everybody there is part of a lar- fairly large or ongoing concern, uh, and they have a lot of skills in a number of different areas. Alignable is, is a uh, much more... Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of small business people uh, that that don't have an understanding of any of this, uh, and they're they're asking questions as opposed to on LinkedIn, where there are people advertising, marketing, raising awareness, uh, perhaps even contacting uh, other people with sales pitches, uh, mm-hmm. offers of help, etc. Alignable, not so much uh, for me for that. I I do that mostly uh, to answer questions. I'm one of their they're top contributors, according to them, and uh, and so they treat me very nice. But it's uh, it's totally different from from LinkedIn. From a marketing point of view, you'll find that you're probably not going to find a lot of your target prospects, depending on what you're doing, uh, in an alignable uh, format. Whereas, so, mm-hmm. you know, on on LinkedIn, you you have a totally different and wider span. So alignable is more like um, information. Get you know, being able to ask a question and, and, and get an answer. Whereas, I mean, LinkedIn is just straight. It's basically a social media for people who are in business. And, and you would call Alignable, I would say, uh, a, a social media for small business. Okay, I see. You know, mm-hmm. somebody, somebody doing uh, $500,000 worth of business uh, isn't going to make much of a splash on LinkedIn. But, you know, on Alignable, they can help. They can answer questions. People can see. To a certain extent, it's a limited form of content marketing, um, you know. Um, but, but like all social media, um, both LinkedIn and Alignable, one of the weaknesses is many people chime in on subjects they know nothing about. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's like social media. The, that's the, the epitome of it. I feel like most of the time it's pretty, it's pretty, that's like if you try to use social media to like invest in stocks or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. the real answer is, you know, using, uh, you know, crowdfunding to raise money works good because everybody has money. It's a common denominator yep. and a need. That's great. But trying to get your marketing done by crowdfunding Asking everybody else what they should do in marketing, well, you know that's kind of crazy. One yeah. of one of the threads on one of the the sites is what's your best way to wow a customer? And there's twenty two thousand answers. Yeah, who's, like, who's ever the, sort through that? Yeah, how is that even? Uh, that's just doing it for the sake of doing it, I guess. Asking for the sake of asking. Well, that's right. Yeah, but um, so yeah, we're at about forty five minutes, so. This is really, uh, it's been something I I really appreciate you coming on here and just spreading your information. Um, you're, you're obviously like a wealth of knowledge with the, with the marketing. So I think this is definitely going to help. This is going to help a lot of people in all aspects too. Um, just from the straight examples and the experience that you have. So I really, uh, appreciate you coming on here for episode five of the no CMO podcast. Ryan, it's been a great time. And, uh, if any of your, uh, uh, if any of your listeners have questions, there, there's, you can find me on Quora. You find me on Alignable. There's bunches of places, or they can just send me a send me an email at markettakecontrolmarketing.com. But I I will warn you right now before you even get started, it, don't even think of sending me uh, anything unless you've done your research 
or you recognize that you've got a startup and you need some help getting it going. And the first thing I'm going to tell you is you start with a research package. But Ryan, this has been great. You've been a gracious host. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that too. Awesome. So this has been episode five, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and uh, you could find, like, I'm going to have all of the email and all the information in the show notes. So uh, hope you enjoyed and catch you on the next one. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for tuning in to the No CMO podcast. This has been episode five with Mark Melling. All the links to his website and ours are all in the show notes as well. Make sure to connect with us on LinkedIn if you can, or if you're on the platform, we would love that. And also on a side note, we have an event coming up on July 30th. It's called Social Growth 101. Everything you need to know about growing your social media following. So if you want to take your social from just a quick side hustle uh, to something more, something bigger, you want to expand your following, make sure you come and sign up for this event. It's $85 to sign up and an open bar, but it's well worth it. We have influencers there. We have actors there, celebrities, um, people who are in it who have benefited from these techniques as well. So make sure you don't miss it. Once again, No CMO Podcast, Episode 5. Thank you so much for tuning in.